0: In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. "'For God, who said, "'Let light shine out of darkness,' "'has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge "'of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ.'" But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, we ask for you to give us this eternal perspective. Would you give us, um, would you give us your eyes to see the things that you see in our world, around us and ourselves? Lord, Um, would we just be completely open to receiving all that you have for us as you show us As you show us the way, Lord Jesus, would you prepare us um, now and make us um, just your vessels this morning um, to be the light of Jesus, to be your servants, as your word said, and to do everything to bring you more and more glory. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.
1: Hey guys, we are in our series called Rise, and we're talking about discipleship, but not just discipleship, disciple making. Because our desire for you is that you would be a disciple who makes disciples that make disciples that make disciples, right? That's the Great Commission. It's, it's raising up disciples and, and sending them out in the world to make disciples. And, and as, as the church in general... Uh, we've done an okay job at that, and our church, we want to do a better job of that, and we want to join this movement that we're all a part of in, in the Christian faith, and follow Jesus and pursue Him in that with fervency of spirit, and that's where our DNA is so vital. Uh, it's KDSC, right? It's Kingdom Disciples Society Church. Kingdom Disciples engaging society, and out of that arises the church. And so as we continue in this series, we're under the, the disciple, or the D, and, and we're going to talk today about the way, and that is our, our topic today. It's, it's something that all of us as followers of Jesus need to fully understand. Uh, and so this morning, when, when, as we talk about the way, which seems like a weird term, right? But it's a, it's a biblical term for the Christian faith, and, and I don't know, maybe we'll will resurrect it and, and start using it again, uh, but but it's talking about something very specific. It's talking about something very specific in following Jesus. There's a certain way to do that, right? And in Deuteronomy chapter five, which is which is couched in the context of Deuteronomy chapter four and chapter six, and this is these three chapters form one of the defining uh, segments of Scripture for the entire Bible. So. Deuteronomy chapter 4 talks about this nation that's supposed to go and live among the other nations and is supposed to follow a certain way of living. To obey statutes and rules and commands, to be a holy nation, to be a priesthood, uh, and and to 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 show the world that there is a God that is so near to us. That's what Deuteronomy 4 says. And then Deuteronomy 6 is is the Shema, right? It's it's here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And and when you walk along the road, when you put your kids to bed, when you eat, when you when you work, when you do all these things, you, when you enter your house, go out of your house. Uh, you should remember what the Lord has taught you. And in the middle, there's Deuteronomy 5, which says that there's a certain way. And Moses is saying to the people, this is the way. Don't turn to it from the right, right to the left or to the left. Follow this way that it may go well with you so that you will live. And Jesus, of course, because he by by his spirit wrote those words right Uh, in in john chapter 14 he says to his uh to to his disciples and to us and, and to the world he says i am the way i am the truth i am the life and no one comes to the father except through me he says i am the way and, and Luke, as the author of Acts, picks up on all of this. And, and the, first, the first time we see this, I think, is Acts chapter 9, where, where the Apostle Paul, Luke is recounting the Apostle Paul, referring to, to the Christians he's persecuting as the way. He says, I'm persecuting the way. And then Paul starts to use that terminology as Luke quotes him throughout, throughout the book of Acts, and we see it here and there. And even Felix, who's the governor who's the the premier of the province of of Judea knows about the way this is in Acts chapter 19 Uh, he says he's very it says he's very familiar with the way and so you have this this way all throughout the book of Acts and this is this is the the history of, of the early church rising right and and so there's something very special there Because you see it all through scriptures. And I just just gave you two scriptures, really, Deuteronomy 5, John 14, and now Acts. But, guys, we can trace this terminology all throughout the Old Testament. It's all through there in numerous passages and in the New Testament. I mean, John the Baptist even says, quoting Isaiah 40, that I have come to make straight the way of the Lord right he's come to prepare the path so you have this terminology all throughout the bible as so there's something very significant here that we're going to talk about today and and so why does luke use that why does acts call it the way why do the early christians call it the way and just think about this think about someone maybe you this morning maybe people you know just living life Right? We're we're all on this journey of of life. And you meet somebody and wow, they have everything. But they're still not satisfied. Oh man, you're still not satisfied. You have everything. You have all you could ever want, and you're still not satisfied. Let me show you the way. Right? That's that's how the early Christians were. Let me show you, let me show you the way. Oh, you're broken. You're hurting, let let me show you the way. You're suffering, you're in pain, you're destitute. This is the way, let me show you the way. You're unsatisfied in life, you have no fulfillment. This is the way, let me show you Jesus. Let me point you to the way. And that's what the Christian faith is. It's, It's the way, it's a path. It's it's us walking along, as Jesus says, the narrow path. Wide is the way that leads to destruction, but narrow is the way that leads to life and to Jesus. And we're here to show people the way, to point them to Jesus, to point them in that direction. That's how you become a disciple maker, simply by pointing people to the way. And Jesus is that way. And this passage is the way and Paul is giving us something very significant here on how we're to understand what the way looks like because that's probably the first question well what does that path look like what does the way look like we're about to go into that so we're actually going to start in in chapter 3 verses 17 and 18 which are the first which are the two verses just preceding chapter 4 here and so 2nd Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17 says now the lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there's freedom first and foremost freedom defines the way because the way is free yes it's narrow and few find it but but it's freedom it's free you're free in the way why is that? Well, just, just before this, uh, which we'll talk about a little later, Paul has said that before this, a veil has covered our faces. It's covered our hearts. And that veil has been taken away. It's been torn in two, as Jesus did on the cross, right? And, and now we're in the Spirit of the Lord, and so there's freedom. Like, we've never experienced before. And so walk in that freedom. That's, that's the way So when someone says, what's what's the way? I'm I'm suffering. I'm I'm hurting. This is the way. Do you want freedom? This is the way. let, Let me lead you into freedom. Verse 18, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We're being transformed in the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is spirit. Because you're, that's the way, that's the defining characteristic of the way, is you're being transformed into glory. You're being transformed in the glory, from one degree of glory to another. That's so beautiful. Freedom, glory, how amazing is that? That's so amazing. Therefore, in verse 1, having this ministry that he just talked about, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Wait a second, what? Why does he say don't lose heart? Don't know, we just have freedom and glory. Like, we should be running, right? We should be going hard, on to the way, like running hard. He says, remember, we have this, do not lose heart. This should remind you of the book of Joshua, where where God says to the new leader of the nation of Israel as they're going across the the Jordan River into the Promised Land, he says, multiple times, be strong and be courageous. Paul says, do not lose heart. Say that that out loud with me, and say that to someone if you're with someone. Do not lose heart. That is so important for us this morning, because the way... Even though it's glorious, even though it's free, we're going to see that it may not be as easy and comfortable as we had hoped, or as we want, or as this world teaches us that we should desire, right? So say that. Do not lose heart and gospel yourself this morning preach that over yourself this morning encourage your neighbor this morning do not lose heart jesus this is a picture of jesus uh, coming on uh, walking on the water in matthew chapter 14 right and and the disciples freaking out and him saying take heart it is i do not be afraid I'm with you, even when the storm is raging, even when when you're sinking in the water, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Do not lose heart. That is supposed to define the way. The way is not defined by by comfort and complacency. The way is defined by courage. Do not lose heart this morning. Verse 2, But we've renounced disgraceful Underhanded ways. Guys, the way has no place for disgraceful and underhanded ways. Do you know that I've experienced more disgraceful and underhanded ways in my life from those who said that they're Christians than those who say that they're not? That's the truth. More disgraceful and underhanded ways, but if you're going to follow Jesus, The way has no place for that. The way has no place for your pride. The way has no place for your arrogance. The way has no place for you being lackadaisical on your spiritual disciplines. The way has no place for you being complacent and saying, oh, well, um, I'm okay. I don't care about the rest of the world. The way has no place for you seeking your own comfort and peace. The way has no place for you undermining spiritual authority. The way has no place for you talking bad about someone behind their back. The way has no place for you discouraging and sowing seeds of disunity. The way has no place for disgraceful and underhanded ways. So if you think you're a follower of Jesus and you live like that, then you're not actually on the way. You've turned to the right or to the left. Now, Hopefully, in grace, we can bring you back onto the way. But the way has no place for this. No place for disgraceful and unhandled ways against each other. Guys, if we can't treat each other, uh, if we can't treat each other with grace and honor, how are we going to do that to the rest of the world? So the way has no place for that, because if we can't do that as brothers and sisters, you're never going to do that to those who who think they're your enemies. Because we're called to love them. So let's love each other so that we can can love them as well. So we've renounced those, Paul says. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled... It is veiled to those who are perishing. This is the reference above to this veil that that Moses wore after he saw the glory of God. And in verse 14 in chapter 3, it says this, But their minds were hardened. They don't understand. When they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is that veil removed, taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read... A veil lies over their hearts, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And so he says here that even if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. And in their case, verse 4, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Who's, who's done this? Don't, don't miss this. This isn't God, this isn't Yahweh, this isn't the Lord Jesus Christ that's done this. This is the little g God of this world who Paul says in Ephesians, the God, uh, omnipotent, omniscient God, the creator God has given Satan dominion to be prince and power of this air and he's allowed it to happen. And so we're talking about that guy here that's the god of this world and you know for us you're saying well i'm, I'm not a uh, i'm not a satan satan worshiper i'm not worshiping i'm not even worshiping idols we have this this lingo in christian and, in the christian faith right uh what are the idols in your heart and you're like well, i'm not worshiping idols let me put it to you more simply what are the distractions in your life how does the power of money distract in your life how does Netflix distract in your life? How does any entertainment distract you from from spending time with the scriptures in your life? How does does, uh, your job distract you from your actual job, which is to live on mission for God? How does your job distract you from from the things that God wants you to live? How does your family distract you? Because there's so many distractions. Those are your idols. Those are the things that are the idols in your life. Do not be fooled. We all have them. Ask the Lord to review them and recognize them so that you can put them aside and really pursue Jesus along the way, fervent in spirit, as Paul says in in the book of Romans, right? With fervency, do not be slothful in zeal, he says, right? And, And we go forward on the way by putting aside these things and recognizing we've been blinded by the God of this world, but in the Lord, in the spirit, that veil has been removed. And so he says this, It's been done to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. I love that. There's so many of's in there, right? The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. So good. Who is who? What is he? He's the image of God. He's the exact image image of God, of the invisible God, as Colossians 1 says, as Hebrews 1 says, he's the very imprint of God's nature. He's the radiance of God's glory, right? He's the image of God. He's the light, and we've seen the light, right? Verse 5, for what we proclaim is not ourselves. And so what we're proclaiming this morning, it's not me. It's not you. We're proclaiming him, right? We're proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord over all, as he says here, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For our leadership team, guys, I always tell them, uh, I say, hey, we're not over the church. We're actually under the church. We're the servants of, of the church. We are, we are. We have put ourselves under everyone who's agreed to be part of Trinity Life Church to serve them. And this is going to come out a little bit later in verse 15, to 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 serve our church, and and I do this in my marriage. I do this with my kids. Now that doesn't mean there's no uh, that doesn't mean uh, uh, there's no uh, spiritual authority or anything like that. Like it's not like my kids run my house, uh, right? Um, But the spiritual authority is this: we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We are servant leaders. We are last, not first. Right? We, have, we have made ourselves least, not most, right? And, and so this is a picture of that, that uh, for, for Christ's sake, for Jesus' sake, we are servants. And he's, he's starting something here for us, that the way is about something. And we're going to get to it in a minute. Verse 6, for God who said let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory. Here's the ofs again, guys, of God in the face of Jesus Christ. There's probably like six ofs in there. (laughs) Let light shine out of darkness. God said this, and he's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Love that. Guys, this is an allusion to creation, right? Where God speaks, let there be light, and light comes out of the darkness, right? And, and so this light uh, uh, refers us back to creation. And Paul is about to say in the next chapter that all of us in verse 17 are actually new creations in Christ Jesus. The old has passed away and the new has come. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. And so we have this here that the light has done that. That just as God called light out of the darkness and created the world, he's called light out of the darkness of your heart and your soul and your mind. And, he's, and you become a new creation. You are Genesis 1. How amazing is that? Paul says you're a new creation in this world to show the world the light of God. Guys, oh, that's so beautiful, right? Um, That is your truth this morning, that you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. And he says, we have this treasure in verse 7 in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to who? To God, not to us. And so this week, I was with a friend, I was with a friend, David, and uh, he gave me this this ancient Roman oil lamp right here. Right? so you'd put oil in here, uh, you'd light you'd light the wick here, and you'd have you'd have oil here um, feeding the wick, and you'd have this this lamp that you would carry around to light the darkness. Right, and this is this is clay. Like this, guys, this is from the 300s. That's how old this is. That's amazing, right? For those of you guys who are history people, archaeology people, uh, you can see the detail on this um, and and the the wearing on this. I mean, you can smell it. Yeah, it smells old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, so you've, it's been used, right? It's it's so beautiful. This is this is what Paul is talking about here. This is a jar of clay. And what's inside this jar of clay? What do we carry around in this? We carry this light. We carry the light of Christ. We carry the light of the gospel. We carry carry the light of the world. You are this. You're this jar of clay. Now, guys, I could take this jar of clay. I'm I'm holding onto it really tight because I'm like, I don't want to drop it. So I dropped it. What would happen? (laughs) It would shatter. It would crush. Uh, And I would be really sad. Um, and I 'd have to tell David. <laughs> uh, but uh, we are this. we're fragile, and God uses us to carry the light of the world, to bring this into the darkness. Can, yeah, to bring this in the darkness, to show the world who He is. And imagine this. Imagine that this is the only flame you have to light the pitch blackness of your home at night or in the woods. Right? And you had this little flame. And I get it, guys. Sometimes it feels like that's who we are. Right? We're followers of Jesus, and nobody else is. And we live in this city of Toronto where there's millions and millions of people and very few followers of Jesus. We live in this world where there's billions and billions of people and very few followers of Jesus, comparatively speaking. And, and we feel like this little flame sometimes that is just about like any wind that comes along could take it out. And we're guarding it, right? We we want to keep it sheltered. We want to keep it, keep it guarded. And and uh, and and, uh, but God is saying, don't hide it under anything. Like shine it bright. Let that light walk as a children of of, walk as a child of light, as Paul says in Ephesians, because you are light. You are this light. And trust that the surpassing power belongs to God, not to you. Put it down. Didn't break it. And in that fragility, in that weakness, God's power is made known. And so he says in verse 8, he says, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. As jars of clay, we're afflicted in every way, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. That, there's a beautiful wordplay that Paul does and perplexed and not driven to despair. It's actually the same, almost the same word. In Greek, he says, uh, we are uh, perplexed as operuminoi. We're operuminoi, but we're not ex operuminoi. So he says, we're perplexed, but we're not thoroughly perplexed, right? We're baffled. We're not thoroughly baffled because the way is a little bit like, ah, is this, is this right? Is this the right way? Is this is this because the rest of the world is going that way, but he says, we're not driven to despair. He says, we're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. We're struck down but not destroyed. Guys, the way is not to escape suffering. The way is to embrace suffering. Do you want to embrace suffering this morning? Most of us are trying to escape all our lives, even in our prayers. Where we're saying, God, take this away from me. And and you may be praying, God, take something away from me that He's trying to use to refine you, and to make you more equipped for the way. And you're saying, God, take this from me. I love Brother Lawrence. Been reading him a lot lately. This is a, a mendicant Carmelite monk in the 1600s, and he says this. He's he says, I don't. Uh, someone comes to him and asks him to pray for their healing. He says, um, I'm. I'm I'm not praying for your healing, I'm praying that you would have strength, courage, uh, comfort, and peace through your through your sickness and that you just allow God to do his work and if he heals, he heals and if he doesn't, he doesn't. but trust in him to do it and and you'll see him work and and I, I just love that mentality that that it's like, okay, God, if you want to heal me, yeah I'm going to pray to that God heal me but if you want to, and if you want this persecution to continue or affliction, whatever it is, do it. But God, if you are using this for your own glory, I want that. And Brother Lawrence says, says for us as followers of Jesus, he says, whether you are in, cons- whether you're in consolation or you're in suffering, a life fully resigned to God counts those as equals. Ah, oh, that's the way. That's us following and pursuing Jesus with fervency of spirit, with no lack of zeal on the narrow path, on the way. And, and why? Like, why? How? How can we do this? Why can we do this? Well, that's verse 10. It says, because we're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus. Okay, this word carrying uh, makes, uh, I, I guess, should make us think about taking the lord's name in vain this is exodus 20 verse 7 because that word in the hebrew is actually you're carrying the name of the lord around right this is where paul gets this imagery of uh in romans 13 of put on the lord jesus christ he's he's our clothes he's our armor right in in ephesians 6 it's put on the full armor of god which is also in in the book of isaiah and and you have here that we're always carrying taking the name of the lord right we're carrying his name around And and that's where where you get this commandment that says, do not carry his name around in vain. Do not carry his name around in meaningless. Do not carry his name around in emptiness. When you are a jar of clay and you have the light of the world, you better be carrying that name well. Don't use that name if you're not going to carry it well. If you're going to live a life of comfort and complacency, live that life, but leave the name of Jesus. Because that is not the life. Guys, Paul is calling us into his life look here he says we're always carrying in the body our body the death of jesus so that the life of jesus may also be manifested in our bodies for we who live are always being given over to death for whose sake for jesus sake so that the life of jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Guys, mortal. Paul is starting to to shift our perspective here from a temporal perspective to an eternal perspective. To have a perspective towards eternity. Your flesh is mortal. Your body is mortal. You have one life to live for Jesus and you get to choose whether it's on the way or it's not on the way. And he says here, verse 12, so death is at work in us. But life in you. There's two words for death that Paul uses here. One is thanatos, and thanatos is uh, refers to like uh, the point of death. But the word he uses here about in verse ten about us carrying in the body the death of Jesus is necrosis, and that word refers to the 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 process of death. It refers to this this. Um, larger picture of death of of us um, going through suffering of whatever leads to that death so themtos may be just this point this punctilious this punctiliar instance of death and and is saying what led to that and what came after that and so for jesus we don't just carry we don't just carry that point around in our body where he gave up his spirit on the cross we also carry around the cross. We carry around the suffering of Jesus. And so Paul is saying, the way, yes, it's freedom, it's glorious, it's life, but it's suffering. It's suffering. Why, why do you think you're above Jesus? He didn't suffer so that you didn't have to. He suffered so that you'd have a different perspective on your suffering. Because we're going to suffer. He said, Why do you, why do you think you're you're above what I'm above? The world hated me. So guess what? If you follow me, the world's gonna hate you. It's not a promise of comfort. It's not a promise of complacency. It's not a promise of of, of just living life as comfortably as possible. Now, there is consolation in there, though. Right? But the promise is, hey, I'm going to be with you in this. It's going to be hard. And I died the death that you, di- you should have died. So you get to carry that around because, guess what, you don't, have to, you don't have to live under the wrath of God anymore. You don't have to live under condemnation anymore. You get to live under freedom and joy and peace. You live under God's goodness and his grace and his mercy because I, Jesus, took all of that on the cross for you. And that's a thanatos that 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 um, Paul talks about in verses 11 and 12, that Jesus took all that for us. And so that's what he died so that we didn't have to die that death. We still have to die a death. And there's a necrosis there. There's a death that you're dying daily to yourself. Guys, we are... Living sacrifices, according to Romans chapter twelve, you are a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, and this is your reasonable act of worship. It's it's the least you can do. It makes sense. It's reasonable. Like it's not above and beyond. You're a living sacrifice, and Paul says. That's that's reasonable. For what Jesus did for you, that's the least you can do, to follow Him. That's the way. That's the way. And so, guys, these past seven years, uh, that I've almost eight years that missing, missing I've been in Toronto, I have died, over and over. I mean, daily to myself. I've died. Um, I mean, those who knew me before Toronto who, who, came, who know me now are, say, you're totally different. You're a different person. And that's because of the way. That's what the way does. We, we give ourselves to others. That's, the, that's the, the, the mark of the way is that you're not living your life for yourself anymore. You're living it for others. And so Paul says in verse 13, since we have the same spirit of faith, According to what has been written, I believe, and so I spoke. We also believe, and so we also speak. Guys, don't just read over that. This is part of being on the way. You believe, so what do you do? Well, you speak. You share. You don't hide that lamp. You don't hide the light. You share the light. And for for those of you who want to follow Jesus, but you don't share your faith then you're not on the way. The way is about telling other people about Jesus. The way is about making disciples of other people so that they can make disciples of other people. In Romans 10, Paul says, how can they believe, or how they, can they call on him whom they have not, or how can they believe in him, <laughs> or so how can they call on him whom they have not believed? And how can they believe in him In whom, how can they believe in whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone proclaiming the name to them? So faith comes by hearing, and hearing comes comes through the word, the spoken word is, is is the Greek word there, not the written word, the spoken word, the rhema of God. The spoken word. And Paul quotes Deuteronomy 30 and in verse 8 of chapter 10 there, following what what we just read or what just said, he quotes Deuteronomy 30 verse 14 and he says, guys, the word is near to you. The word is actually in your heart. The word is actually in your mouth. And so, verse 9 and 10, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that is the way, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved, that is the way, and so we believe, Paul says, and so we speak, Knowing that, verse 14, he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence, verse 15, for it is all for your sake. This is the life of the way that you put aside your individual rights, that you put aside your, your individualism, that you put aside uh, your pride and your hubris and your arrogance and you live your life for other people. You live your life for others. Now, uh, in Philippians 2, he says, that doesn't mean you don't consider yourself, but he says, you don't consider yourself more highly than you ought to. And you're also concerned about the other. And so Paul says here, speaking as, as leaders of, of the church here, he says, it was all for your sake. This is the key verse that, that Missy and I uh, had when when God called us to Toronto, it's the verse that He really used to push us forward, for it is all for your sake. So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. If you ever come to my house, um, you'll see uh, when you come to the door, if you look to the left, everyone always notices the picture of Missy and I from our honeymoon <laughs> 16 years ago, where I had the Backstreet Boy haircut. And Missy's got the, got the highlights, and she looks the exact same, and I look like a, a child of the 90s and early 2000s. And um, everyone always comments on that, but right next to it is a globe. And the globe is constantly spinning because it spins by, through the sunlight. And so the globe constantly spins, and, and what's etched on the, the uh, little podium thing that the globe is on, what's etched on it is this verse. And Missy got that from me right before we moved here because, as you guys know, I like maps and globes, but this verse was a huge part of us. So every time we go in and out of our home, I see that. And it's a reminder to me that we don't live this life for us. That on the way, Jesus has called us to do what he did. To lay our lives down for each other. And that's how we'll know. That's how the world knows that we're his disciples. That we love one another in the way that Jesus loved us. And so every time I walk in and out of my house, I'm reminded that I do this for you. Paul isn't saying here, I do this for the sake of the Lord. He's already said that. He says, now I'm doing it for you. And I do this for you every day. And that's the way. And it's hard. It's it's perplexing sometimes. But there's no despair there. It's afflicting sometimes, but we're not crushed. We're struck down sometimes, but we're not destroyed. Because in us is the light of the gospel of the glory of Jesus Christ. And the darkness will never overcome that. And along the way, you have to know that. You have to hear Jesus say, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. I've already walked this path for your sake. And I hope that I can say that to you guys. That for your sake, I'm walking this path. And I can say, this is the way. I can point you, this is the way. Guys, that is a disciple of Jesus. That's what we're supposed to call people to. That's what we're bringing people along to. So we do not lose heart in verse 16. We do not lose heart. Say that out loud again. Do not lose heart. These are the bookends of this passage, right? Do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed and regenerated day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us, he's about to juxtapose all those words, an eternal weight of glory. So not a light, but a weight, a heaviness, not a momentary, but an eternal, not affliction, but glory beyond all comparison. Nothing will compare to that glory if you persevere along the way. As we look not to the things that are seen, not to the material, physical things, but to the things that are unseen, the spiritual things, the things behind the things. For the things that are seen are transient, they're ephemeral, they're fading. But the things that are unseen are eternal, they're everlasting, they're forever. And some of the last words that Jesus leaves his disciples with is in John chapter 16. And he says, I've spoken all of these things to you, So that in me, you would have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, he says. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Do you want to choose the way? Or do you want to choose the world? Do you want to choose... Death to death or life to life? Actually, I should say death to life. Paul says both. He says life to life in in chapter three there, or chapter two, but also death to life in this chapter, right? Dying to yourself leads to life. Do you want to choose the ephemeral or the eternal? You're broken and you're hurting today. This is the way. Let me show you the way. Here's the light in the jar of clay. You're struggling in your faith today? Well, this is, this is the way. Come along the way with me. You're in darkness? Well, here's my light. And let me show you the way. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you saw fit to send your son to take on flesh to suffer as we suffer to go through what we go through and even worse to endure the cross and to persevere for the joy that was set before him ah oh, give us eyes to see that joy Produce your joy in us by the fruit and power of your Spirit. And may we not turn to the right or to the left, but may we be people who persevere along the way in fervency of spirit and in zeal and take heart and take courage. For you've already done it, Jesus. And we're just walking in your footsteps in step with the spirit for the glory of God. Show us how to do that as we lay down our lives for others. For your name's sake, we ask in in the only name that matters, your name, Jesus. Amen.
0: If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.